Today, we are going to learn a little bit about brewery accounting. Or just kidding. Maybe we're just going to drink and talk about how great Castle Island beer is. We are going to discuss why some crazy accounting firms actually invest in their clients. And apparently some actually get exits out of them too, which is just mind-blowing to you and I. Um, And we're going to get into what in the hell is finance as a service and why your firm out there, firm owners, better figure it out pretty damn quick and should start doing it. All this year on Drink While You Think, the weekly happy hour conversation between a couple of knuckleheads like us who are building their firm in a really weird way. We got another one of those guys on here today we'll introduce you to shortly, but Matthew first. Well, first of all, I'm your host, Kenji, co-host Matthew. Matthew, I'm thrown off today. We're in the same room, so I'm well, kind of a little bit off my game. There's a couple of things going on. We, ha- we have a sponsor. What? <laughs> We'd like to thank our sponsor today, Castle Island. Castle Island Brewing from Boston, Massachusetts. Castle Island Brewing, where you get your most wonderful beers. Please check out Castle Island Brewing. Thank you for sponsoring Doing What You Think. They're also obviously provided by uh, uh, you guys, uh, uh, the Growth Lab Finance as a Service guys. So appreciate you guys uh, making that happen. And, 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 and it's fun to have, have you guys here. Introduce our guest, dude. Be nice. Hi, Dan. Dan, give us the quick intro and then make sure you tell us what you're drinking. Ooh. I changed it up. I'm not going to tell my customer. So I'm in New Hampshire right now. So I'm drinking the New Hampshire brew. <laughs> the Moat. Moat Brewing Company of New Hampshire. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Cool. Give us a rundown. What the hell are you doing these days, man? Who are you? What's going on? Yeah, no. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Um, so, you know, I, you just mentioned it a few minutes ago. We've never actually met in person, you know. And Feels weird, right? If there's anything that comes out of this pandemic is like, hey, we can actually enjoy like life, personal life, and still do business at the elevated like level without having to always be in person. And um, I feel like over the last 24 months, I've come away with amazing relationships and uh, all without ever having met Um and uh, yeah, so I'm Dan Gertrudes. I'm actually one of the founders of uh, Growth Lab Finances Service. I always start this by saying, not a CPA, not an accountant. Somehow I found myself here. I found myself romping around Boston doing fractional CFO service. And I was just like, this shit ain't for me. I, <laughs> I cannot do this by myself. I'm too, getting way too old to be doing spreadsheets. And um, ultimately met Stephen Byler, my co-founder. We bought a bookkeeping business, transformed bookkeeping business into a cloud accounting firm. And then from there, realized, at least from my corporate background, I had spent 15 years in capital markets, M&A, corporate development, and I had an appreciation for FP&A. And I used to tell people like, no, it's about FP&A. And they would be like, what is FP&A? What does that stand for? And I was like, oh boy, okay. I was like, well, the CFO is kind of here, the bookkeeping accounting is kind of here, and the FPNA is like the thing that keeps it all together. And so <laughs> I said, no, we're, we're not going to be accountants, we're not going to be a CPA shop. And so we do we do term ourselves as a financial service. We're very similar to you guys, obviously a fraction of your size. And uh, about it, two years ago, we started a tax practice because I was out to turn the tables on the CPAs because I always felt like the CPAs owned the relationship. Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Kenji. That's okay. I'm not even an active CPA anymore. So that's, and we agree with you on that part on the tax accounts. I mean, they're, they're a pain in the ass. 
I mean, I can't <laughs> so. so this is what we're drinking today. We're drinking the Castle Island Pilsner. The, it's a Bohemian Shine. Bohemian here. Shine is what we're going with. It's a 4.8 percenter, and this is the, they sent us the, not the cheapies. They sent the pints to Ooh. us. So they're, they're not joking Czech around. style Pilsner. So. And so, uh, cheers, cheers, brother. Good cheers, day. guys. On, Appreciate um, it. And this one is 4.5. Mm. We're keeping it kind of easy going the weekend. Ooh, that's nice. That's very nice. Um, good Czech style Pilsner is my favorite style. And these guys are from, so Dan, tell me, you guys work, this is a client of yours. You said they're in South Boston? Yeah, they're in South Boston. Is, is that is that the part that, is that called like Southie? I always hear about like Southie. Yeah, South. yeah is that, isn't that like, I think of these like movies, like uh, these iconic movies I love from Boston, you know, like Goodwill Hunting and things like that. Is that Southie? I don't know Southie. What's that, that is like right around the corner. Yeah. Oh yeah? Okay. I live in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. Okay. Once in a while, I go up. Well, how, well, real before you get in the brewery, how would you describe Southie? Like, is it like what's how do people in Boston think of Southie? Like, is that well? I think it's Southie, like in the 1980s, and Southie today, very different. Very right? different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> Back then, it was a lot of immigrants. It was very colloquial. Today, the city is expanding beyond its original metro area for sure. And these guys are a client of yours, huh? Yeah, they are. They, um, they, so they just opened up a uh, tap room, a beautiful tap room. And uh, it's, it's, it's ironic because we usually work with venture backed startups, right? That are more techie. They're focused on the product development. They don't have the finance background, but Adam, we don't work with a lot of uh, breweries. Frankly, I would tell you all the all the uh, nightmares we've had with breweries over the course of the last eight years. <laughs> I won't go into. But I met Adam through a, a lawyer friend. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he turned out to be a great guy, but he's so into his numbers and uh, it's been great. Right. He's he's like he's put it all he's put it all on the line. Right. Yeah. He's got a great yeah. product. And uh, but it's a it's a very local local product, right? Yeah. As is most microbreweries, right? It's solid. I and mean, it's you know, we've done some look a little bit of brewery accounting in the past, man. It, you're right, it's hard. It's hard to find someone like your uh like your client Adam Castle Island, who like he's actually into their numbers, right? It's that's one of the things. I mean, breweries are awesome. I love breweries, you know. Yep. I hang up all the time, but like they can be tough to work with sometimes yeah. if that owner doesn't have that mindset. Of like getting in the numbers. Yeah, I actually got the one of my favorite jokes came from a brewery owner. He asked me how you make a million dollars with a brewery, and he said you start with two million. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like it's so true. <laughs> it's like my favorite brewery joke ever. It was like, oh, uh, I thought you guys were doing okay. I like this beer. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna have to. You might only be around for another. You've been around three years. So you got another three years of runway going. I get it now. So yeah, it's one of those industries, right, where somebody starts because of passion or it's something cool, but they don't have the, you know, they don't have the, you know, you got you still have to professionalize it. It's it can't be a hobby. Otherwise, it's just a trust fund baby like throwing money at it, right? At some yeah. point, you gotta you gotta cross that uh, bridge. And that's hard for a lot of these types of businesses, whether it's cannabis, breweries, right? Back in 2008, I was in banking. Breweries were like a dime a dozen. I mean, you could pick up the tanks, pennies on the dollar, right? The banks yeah. were giving them away. It's funny you said what you were talking about. That made me, breweries made me think of the cannabis industry the same way too, right? This 
seems like it's going to be fun. And then people, you know, who are in it, like some other firm owners I know who are in it are like, man, it's hard. It is difficult. Like it's challenging because some of the personalities. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little tough and tricky there, but um, especially damn. now with aluminum prices and logistics, oh. like, these guys are on allocation. They're waiting three months for their stuff to come in. They're buying containers from wholesalers versus the manufacturer. Tough business right now. Yeah, but- it is. It's tough. Great product, great product, just tough business. So, tough um, business. so okay. I'm assuming then we're going to talk about investing in clients. clients. I'm going to assume then that you know you did not invest in a brewery. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were we were just sharing. I mean, this is unique. I mean, we've talked about it before on the show. We've had a, actually probably the most feedback we've ever had from any of our episodes. Is like, wait, you guys are doing what? And so to connect with you on this about like, oh yeah, we've invested in some, some clients too. Like, I was like, oh shit, that's awesome. Like, that's great to know that. Tell us what's been your experience in investing in, in clients. So, you know, it's when you know where all the skeletons in the closet are, right? <laughs> you know, the personalities, like, can you actually grab a beer with that individual? Um, you're investing in the team, like, it's not just about investing in the customer. It's like you actually know when you're doing someone's bookkeeping, accounting, FPA, CFO, and taxes, like you know a ton of shit about that customer, right? You yeah, know a yeah. lot, you know the ins and outs, the personalities, especially. That to me is like a competitive advantage, one. And two, it also like it brings us closer, right? Because at, at the end of the day, how do we all make like in our business, how do we make money? You got your customer acquisition costs. You know, you got your gross profit, you like got lifetime value. What are you looking for? Duration, 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 right? I don't need to make 70% gross margins. I'm happy with 50 over five years versus 70 over like 12 months. I think like doing things like this, especially when you're embedded in the team, because we always tell our customers like view us, view us as an extension of your team. You know, uh, we are your, we are your finance team. And if you're that close to the business, like, why wouldn't you put your money? And, yeah. and then that brings you that I, I see like it gives us duration with a customer. Yeah. Now, you can't do that for everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we have a customer or not customers, but leads would be like, oh, you guys invest. I heard it's just like, yeah, but that conversation happens like six months later. Like, yeah, totally. we need to get to know you first. <laughs> yeah, we need to actually get in and look at those skeletons a little bit. We need to figure out what's happening, if this thing's going anywhere. And we've had some of those too. We've got a, probably a few right now that you're like, okay, those aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but you, so you've had one exit though, is that right? We did. So it was awesome. a company uh, called Sire Marine. They were actually, I still remember this day, you know, back in the day, this was like eight, this is probably seven years ago. Like you would actually go to people's offices to pitch you know, your services. And I, I remember telling uh, Stephen Byler, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a waste of our time. They just want bookkeeping. I don't even know why I'm, I was in Newport on top of it. So I was like, all right, I'll go for the ride because let's go get a couple of drinks at, in Newport. And we ended up hanging out with the customer for probably an hour and a half. And we walked out of there. We were like, oh, damn, this is going to be a big customer. You know, it's the type of customer. And we've talked about this, Kenji, like, you know, when these customers get too big, like when they start paying you $100,000, $200,000 a year, you start sweating a little bit, right? Because you have concentration risk. Yeah. Well, this customer be- became that for us. And we became very close with the team. And uh, yeah, they exited to Yamaha about, I don't know, four months ago. That's back in- awesome. 
Congrats, it was great, man. you know, yeah, very proud congrats. of them. A lot of unfortunate, unfortunate news with the CEO passing away about a year wow. ago, but he, wow. you know, they became good friends and we realized from that model, we were like, Hey, we can replicate this. Not that we're going to be buddy, Trump, you know, buddy, buddy with all our customers, but there was, we just invested in uh, roundly X roundly X is um, it's sort of like acorn for nonprofits, okay. but it's acorn for crypto. So you round up your credit card charges, you know, Drew and his partner and the, the board of directors, they're amazing. They've been a customer for a year. And as soon yeah. as we met them, we're like, I'm in on this one because Drew just had it. He put his house on the, he, he, he mortgaged his house to fund the business. Why wouldn't you invest in that guy? Anyway. Wow. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All the stats that we've looked at for angel investing, you know, um, kind of prove that out. It's basically like if you're done kind of 20 to 40 hours of due diligence or more, you you have a, like a six to seven X uh, outside return over people that don't. And you have that built-in advantage with a client that's been with you for a while where you've done basically due diligence, diligence yeah. right? On yeah. on the on the customers. So that's a that's actually a, a stat that's out there from the ACA that uh, that kind of does national surveys on what people do before they invest and kind of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the closer you are with them, right? You get to know them, and and it's all you're, you're investing in the team, right? At, at yeah. the end of the day, because yeah, you know, so. dude, an exit. All right. Well, we had partial exits. That partial. We've not had a. Full we've had some secondaries that we've been able to take some off on, but um, nothing. Wow. Not, we haven't had a full exit on anybody yet. Damn, so. yeah, that's that awesome. Great. It was a good feeling just like, cause I've had this thesis in my head for like five or six years and, and everybody would always shoot it down. Like you can't, that that's not going to like do it. I'm like, I don't know at some point, like you, you actually, you know, there's information asymmetry, right? You know, what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, then one of the things we've done is we won't lead around. Like we'll only follow on and around. So that really helps with some of the the noise out there. If somebody's done, like they have to have a round going and, and that kind of stuff, because we're not going to do yeah. all the, the, the pricing around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's true. So that's a, we do 25 K around, we do 25 K chunks in a yeah. seed, yeah. you know, we won't yeah. touch a series A it's too late by then. Right. It's yeah. pre-seed. It's fun. It keeps yeah. us close. So well, yeah, I have it in different buckets in my head. Like we kind of, we've done anywhere from common to seed to convertible notes to saves to uh, the one we did was it we did a series C round, which we oh, that was like, a, yeah. so that was one where, you know, it was, we didn't take that out of whatever our angel budget though. That's like more of a, a different budget that we had kind of in our heads to stuff like that. So, so one of the other reasons why we do that, like we're, we're doing this is, we're like, we're not a part, like we're not a partnership model, right? We're a corporation. And I think I had told you the other day, Kenji, like we just brought on our first, our first 26 year old shareholder. Right. And so now we're up to three. What we said was, you know, there is this pool of opportunity here and we, whatever your percentage of the corporation is, we actually allocate that same percentage to that shareholder in the the llc that holds the investments and so we do like a series llc where it's based on vintage and so because you know at the end of the day they do have credit in my head at least they have credit for the cash that was produced the free cash flow for the growth 
And it gives them another incentive. It creates stickiness, right? In my mind, it creates stickiness for these young, young team Absolutely. That's a, that's a, yeah, we did talk about that. I think it's a great retention model, right? Saying like, listen, it's a natural retention model that's saying, hey, there's some upside. We bet on our clients, but we're going to have to wait till there's a transaction. And you can participate in that. I mean, you got to be here. You got to vest. You got to get involved. You got to be here for that. And that's a, hell, everybody right now is looking for, ways to retain people. So, I mean, use whatever you can for sure. So I assume that based on that good outcome you guys had, you're doing, you're going to be doing more investing in clients. I guess where you see the opportunity. Is that right? Yeah. I, so uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I shot a, a Slack to Steven and to Corey and I said, Hey, here's two new customers that are coming through onboarding. I said, we need to keep an eye on these two because I'd like to get a piece of those two. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you see the team and you're like, okay, these are solid people. They're not jackasses, right? They're yeah. straight shooters. They're putting it all on, on the line. They're not, you know, moonlighting yeah. like a lot of startups. So, but we don't lead with that. Like I would never have told those two leads right. like, right. oh yeah, the money's here. Cause yeah, right, right. My kid's going to college next year. I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Have you, have you branched out past, uh, Press customers, or have you gone into the we've we've done we've dabbled in the accounting tech space? No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I know you guys uh, did giraffe. You know, we I, did giraffe and Verity and um, Tally Four, and who else have we done? Do you, we haven't talked about this. Helm and Verify Q. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I think. I feel like we've done some of those. I mean, yeah, there's some, we get an early look at those things and those tools typically benefit us as a firm. Right. Um, but I don't know that I feel like there's a, we get a unique advantage like we do when we do diligence, to your point, when it's a customer and you're in there in the financials. Oh, for sure. And yeah. we look at that. If you look at just the, if we marked our portfolio to market, we have, we have outsized returns in our client section compared to them compared to the accounting tech section where we just have industry expertise but not necessarily right. we didn't do necessarily what i consider the diligence that the we probably expertise. should have done yeah so, yeah like, but you guys are like the amazing accounting finance team for these, for these investment companies how can they not succeed right oh god we'll see who knows we'll see we'll cheering cheering all of them on for sure but you know it, it's funny you know as i think about it dan like to me, that's it makes it even more self-evident why like you don't come from an accounting or you know background, you're not a CPA. It's like, oh, you're thinking in ways that like firms don't. But it's so funny. Whenever we talk about this, every accountant I know is like, I want to do that. I'm so interested in that. But sometimes you just have to come at it from like a totally different lens, right? To be like, okay, I'm gonna look for opportunities here. So I, you know, hopefully this will encourage more firm owners, like, listen, it's not. Just us two nut jobs, which they all know we're a bunch of nut jobs. We're like, hey, okay, there's more out there, right? I mean, we just included you, unfortunately, Dan, in a group of nut jobs. You know, well, I mean, it, I'm good with that. It is, it <laughs> My is whole team thinks I'm all freaking nut jobs. I mean, one commonality though with Dan and us is that we serve that sector that this is True. logical for. Like, if you're not serving the SaaS sector, <laughs> startups and venture, yeah, that's like probably the not start, as... that are on that venture path. Like, that's a totally different model. Or and also like the fact that you worked in M and A, right? You worked in corporate M and A, so doing deals was part of your job historically. There's probably a lot of people, I guess, a lot of firm owners who don't have venture back clients 
who've never worked on deals before who are like, man, this sounds like it's from another universe, from a totally different space. And that is hard. I mean, it's the, you're right. That's, you know, we encourage I Really, I mean, for most people, like, never mind CPAs or accountants. I mean, for most, this is really a stretch, right? Yeah. yeah. A little out of the box, right? And by the way, you need to have like play money to be able to do this. Totally. I can take $25,000 and go hire two people and make them profitable in three right. months, right? There, 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 are, there are better ways of improving to make money yeah. off of, yeah, $25,000. But to you, you said something earlier that I think resonates with me and probably Matthew is, we think it's a lot of fun. Like we just, it's fun. We enjoy it. And I think you, you probably should go into it that mindset of like, oh, this is Whoa. interesting and enjoyable, but like certainly shouldn't be betting on your, your retirement on it. Uh, but both of us have something else in common. We're doing it with somebody else, which makes it fun. That's true. Like doing it by yourself ain't very much fun. I just don't think like doing it with another person. And like, if, so if there's a win, you get to share and do all that kind of stuff versus doing it by yourself and, so that's or, or, or if it blows up and it's a loss, you're like, all right, let's go get a drink and like whatever. Oh, I'm totally nostalgic when it comes to that, right? It's so it's a lot. The, everything, at least I look back at the eight the last eight years, like nothing replaces the relationships, you know. And you guys know this, right? Nothing replaces the relationships. The the power of I had a mentor that once told me, you know, when I first started this, because I actually started this by myself, and then I I met, for example, I met Stephen like at a networking event. And it just happened to be, he was in like in a transitional phase in his life. I was just like, Hey, uh, I could use like some help. And now he owns 50% of the company. Right. It's just like, you got to take risks on some people. And, you know, obviously he didn't, he didn't actually get back to me for another three weeks after I made the offer. The relationships make it a whole month. I mean, it, whole it's a different. Whole Otherwise, different. This shit's a grind. This, it is. this is a grind. It is a grind. I mean, I think you have to look for interesting things to do with interesting people to keep it. Otherwise, it is a grind. I'd say from, and we'll, you know, last topic I wanted to hit before we rate these beers. I feel like there's going to be a very high rating. Um, but all right, talk about doing different things. I really feel like Growth Lab, and I think of you and Steven, like you're the you're the finance as a service evangelist out there. I, I feel like you're talking a lot about it. I think people are starting to hear about it. And I don't still think there's a lot of people who don't know what to do. So, all right, what, how, what the hell, how do you describe finance as a service? I think it's like what we do, but we're doing it consistently and constantly. I, I go back to that, you know, the, the extension of the team. We are your finance team. We're not somebody that you pick up the phone and uh, call once a year and deliver a shoebox worth of crap and then have somebody in the, you know, Betty the bookkeeper in, in there, like typing things away. Put aside like the technology and put aside like the people, because we talk a lot, you know, we talk a lot about the DNA of the people too, right? Because yeah. finance and accounting are, it's two different people, right? You got to recruit differently. But putting all that aside, it's like, okay, what do companies need? Well, it's, they need like cadence and then they need standardization rigor of the, the, the deliverables, right? It's that plan, revisiting the plan, et cetera. And then it, it's the team, right? Because you do need the team in order to create leverage. Because otherwise, any of us could do this. Yeah. We just mean we would be doing it all the time, right? And you can't scale. Yeah. And it's, it's like... I don't know. I'm just like, do you think Dan is doing this? And he's like, I can't believe people don't plan. Like they shove the damn plan in the top right hand drawer of their 
they're the desk and they're like, oh, why don't I have more money in the bank account? My 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 PL says I made a million bucks. It's like, come on. I remember when you described it to me, and it just it resonated with me and made sense, right? When you think about finance, I think sometimes accountants get a little bit jammed up of like, what's what you know, is that if it's not debits and credits, I don't know how to do that, which they're probably I want to ask you about the team in a second, but um when you describe it and you're like, yes, there's a cadence to planning, to financial planning. And you can kind of look throughout the year and kind of plan this stuff out. Like there's a probably coming out of large companies that you've been at, there's a there's a probably a regular cadence that it's probably not identical to a small business, but there's a lot of takeaways that they could be following of like, hey, it's this time of year. Like, let's get this ahead on some things. I think the one thing that probably accountants and that we think of is like, oh, budgeting season, right? But that's probably all accountants think of today, yet there's probably a hell of a lot more cadence throughout the year beyond just budgeting of where there's a natural time frame that certain activities yes. fit. So when you described that to me, I was like, oh shit, that's right. That's a good thing. We're always looking for recurring services that accountants should be considering and thinking about that are not today. But do you think that um, on your team, what's been your experience, Dan? I mean, do you do you think this is something that finance as a service can be done by accountants, or do you think that's a different skill set? What's been your experience there? I, so we have offered roles to our younger staff accountants in, mm-hmm. say, a financial analyst role, and they don't want it. It's, it's different, right? Accounting is very structured. How we do and deliver finance is structured. But it requires a whole lot of, I mean, why the hell would you be investing in startups if you can't think beyond like the trees, right? You got to, it's, it's like blue sky. Yeah. That's not, that, not everybody's built the same. And I'm not an accountant. Like you don't even want me touching the books. Like I always get yelled at when I touch my own books. Right? <laughs> but I, I can like, I can like run circles when I, if I'm in front of a whiteboard, you know, and trying to reimagine how a revenue model can kind of come together for, for a, a lonely founder, right? Getting yeah. those juices flowing. Now the financial analyst, like a 22 year old, like coming right out of college, they're not going to be able to do that, but they do understand the basics of like financial statements and the drivers and the secondary drivers, you know, and digging in a little bit and understanding like what makes things like, how do you acquire a customer, go to market strategy, all that stuff kind of goes into building your long range plan. Yeah. I don't want to come off like a management consultant when I talk about like an annual strategic business cycle, but it's like a framework. If you've got the higher level framework, yeah. and, and by the way, accounting is very much part of that annual framework, right? Like accounting closes every month. Right. Like the annual framework doesn't close. You don't give raises to employees every month. You give it right. simple things like give your employee reviews in February, you closed out the year, review the prior year, review your current AOP. So that way, when you're planning, like, what's your role this year? Like, okay, you're going to get a $5,000 raise because our goal is to make you senior analyst of something or a manager, right? So it's adding framework. And I'm a big believer, like, this shit's just got to be boring. Like, yeah, accounting is boring. Finance has to be boring too. The problem you have with like CFOs, it's all hourly. It's the pull versus push model. Accounting and bookkeeping has always been comfortable pushing to the customer. Mm-hmm. I close your books on the 15th. Boom. Here's your numbers. Yeah. CFOs don't push 
they always sit around like a lawyer waiting for the phone to you know ring and be like, oh, you, you need to update your numbers for an investor deck. Okay, no problem. We we've experienced that. Sit around and wait for we're like, hey CFO crew, y'all doing anything over there? All right. Oh, clients are kind of quiet right now. You're like, well, maybe pick up the phone. That's one of Matthew's favorite. Is like, just pick up the damn phone. And but it doesn't happen. You're right. Um, so sometimes building in a, it's a good way to think of it as making it boring to where it's just part of a rhythm and a cycle. To where you don't have to sit there and wait. You're being you're pushing that out to a client. So anyway, I, like I, our carbon jobs have this. Like our carbon jobs are just like boring, 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 boring. Just tick off this list. Ask the customer the questions. Did you hire somebody this month? Oh yeah. Okay, let's update the rolling forecasts. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You got to do it that way. There's no other way to really do it. Otherwise, and by good. the way, we really suck at this. Like this <laughs> is not this is not easy. Like it's. It's not easy. If it were, like we, everybody would do it. But yeah. I think, like over the last two or three years, we've like turned a corner. Yeah, uh, I think it's a good challenge for firms out there who are listening to this and we're like, listen, there are there are a ton of other ways. Which is why it's fun talking to Dan and Steve and the Growth Lab crew to where we think about different things to get into. It doesn't have to be out there investing in our clients. It could be if you like that, if that's your thing, like we're doing. But it certainly could be thinking about where, how do you get your team working more proactively? Call it more boring, like you've called it, Dan, of where it is systematized. It's a process, it's a framework, you're just repeating and repeating. And there's a lot of work out there. If you just start thinking of like, it's not just waiting for the client to call, or I'm only going to do an accounting close process. So um, it's been fun to, I've really enjoyed the fact that you and I have talked half dozen times at least, probably more. We still can't wait to hang with you in uh, in a few months here. But like of where like, it just resonated with me of like, this is where we've seen growth in the profession. And you guys are, Growth Lab's been out there leading the way, man. I feel like you all have been leading the charge. Yeah, like it, the uh, conference, um, uh, I listened to the um, the podcast that Matt did with your uh, marketing person. Oh, like, yeah. That just resonates, right? Like when my first job out of college was sales, and it was not boring. It was anything but boring. It was just like you were out all night. Like you were today. Sales is nothing like <laughs> sales is, sales boring, is a man. goddamn formula. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is, right? It is. I made Can my you turn out the content? Can you get the eyeballs? Can you convert the eyeballs to this? Did you bleed them the right shit at the right time? It's crazy. Yeah. I'm with it's you. It's math, right? <laughs> it's math. It's just math. I mean, I guess it sounds terrible, but like, thank God, if it was still that old way it was, we'd all be dead. We'd be, we'd be, I mean, it'd just be, you know, the dead, divorced, divorced, broken, divorced, yes. <laughs> For sure. So, um, all right, well, let's land this thing and rate some beers. Let me pull up our wonderful rating, folks. Follow us on one, a good old uh, Untapped if you'd like. Um, I've got it pulled up, Matthew. I've already got the Bohemian Shine pulled up and it's here. You want to go first or want me to go first? You go, you go do the Pilsner rating. I'm gonna go with your rating on this one. Are you really? Okay. Uh, I am. I, I'm gonna you're gonna be it's not a dark bear. I'm gonna go four and a half on this. I really like this because um you're the you you were the Pilsner Conus. Um, I, I really like this that. because it reminds me of a Pilsner Urquell, which is like the top level, the, the top of the best of the best. I think Pilsner check Pilsners. I mean, it went. It's a pint beer. It went down like it was like eight ounces, like those little eight ounce like things. That thing just blew by. I'm like, man, that thing just crushed it. Come from it, baby. That was great. All right, all right, uh, Dan. What what are you drinking again? 
It's a Moat, M-O-A-T, Mountain Brewing Company. Okay. And it's called the East Intervale IPA. East Intervale IPA. There it is. There it is. East Intervale IPA. You get to rate this thing anywhere from zero to five in quarter increments. What are you going to give it? I think this is a 4.25. It's actually great. It's a low in alcohol, right? So it's only 4.5. Oh, yeah, four and a half. So you can't That's go kind of nice. That, that le- kind of nice for an IPA, right? <laughs> that, that, leaves you, that leaves you room for more is what I think, you know, so. Especially on a day of skiing like you've had, you know, hey, you got to do opera ski, you got to have a little room for more drinks. So yeah. uh, I'm here waiting for my family to arrive. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. You may, maybe get one more in there. Uh, Thanks for carving out time for us. Yeah, dude, Dan, seriously, man, for Dan totally. skiing with the family. Thanks for carving it out. Um, appreciate, it appreciate Thank you to the Castle Island Brewing for uh, great for, sponsors. For, for sponsoring us. You guys today. were great. So, Thanks for Dan and Steven and the whole crew and Corey for helping us get this sponsor by that. Dude, Cannot wait to hang with you in San Diego, brother. Totally. And Matt, pleasure. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.